everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pens Cast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network. I am Garrett Behanna, as always, alongside me for the mailbag, fellow contributing writer over at pensburg.com, Robbie Noggle, and the podcast recruit that everyone loves. You know him, you love him, maybe you hate him, maybe Brian hates him. It's Snail, or as he is affectionately calling himself, uh, flow bro and we will get to that question specifically uh, as the mailbag rolls on uh, before we dive into this week's mailbag we have something of an announcement to make as the penguin season regular season that is draws closer starting with next week's episode uh, we have made the decision the three of us to finally branch out and you will start to see our faces on video platforms of your choice. I think we're going to start putting our podcast feeds on YouTube and go from there. I think what we'll do is we will be creating our own official YouTube channel. We had definitely floated doing something like that in the past. And now it's going to come to fruition starting next week. So starting with next week's mailbag and, uh, from this point forward, again, starting next week, we will start uh, delivering these podcasts in audio and video form. So if you like to engage with us and if you consume more video content like uh, like I do personally, I I'm spend a lot of my time on YouTube, then maybe this will be something for you. You can look at all three of our lovely faces that only a mother could love as we continue to give you our hot takes and analysis about the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that is next week, and we are here on September 19th, 2023, and we have a absolutely disgustingly loaded 27-question mailbag. It's going to be a behemoth, but we're going to get through all of those questions, starting with Robbie. He gets question number one, Snail gets question number two, I get question number three, and we will go back and forth until the mailbag is complete. Question number one comes from Brian. And uh, this question may have been posed before uh, Babcock's official resignation. But, Robbie, what are your thoughts coming out of Columbus with the Babcock situation and allegedly wanting to see players' phones and using airplay to show their photos, uh, their personal photos of players on video screens, uh, certainly a an interesting sort of uh, scandal coming out of Columbus. Uh, Mike Babcock, as we record this, is no longer the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, having not even coached a game for the team. So, Robbie, what do you make of this whole Mike Babcock-Columbus Blue Jackets situation? Uh, personally, I think... Um they got just about exactly what they were asking for um, with this hire. When it was announced back in, I believe, June, uh, I had my I was scratching my head because it just did not make on the surface any real sense based on what um, Columbus is building with uh, young players. There's a long history of um, stories from former players when they were younger and how they felt um, – mistreated by Mike Babcock and you're bringing him into a system that has one of the top prospects in the NHL now 
has is building a good farm system, has a lot of young players on that roster. So it, did any of this surprise me? Not really. Uh, the stories that were coming out of it um, about asking um, players to view their phones and going through pictures, that is a very, I, I just a huge invasion of privacy. Uh, it's creepy, um, especially when you're then bringing in uh, teammates to the equation, putting it on uh, a screen. Um, I know that there are plenty of ways to get to know someone better than going through their phone. Um, and it doesn't even have to be uh, private photos on the phone. There was um, people were saying about what if they have uh, intimate photos and stuff like that. It's not even that. What if um, it's just a, a complete invasion of privacy, whether it is their camera roll is full of intimate photos or it's full of just your run of the mill memes that you see on the internet. That doesn't, that makes no difference to me. I just view it as a uh, complete invasion of privacy and a huge um, just violation of trust uh, between the coach and the players. Remember for this, isn't a, uh, these are two different groups are on even footing. The coach holds the power over the players he is the boss. Um, this would never be acceptable in a white collar type setting, or even if you worked at uh, a fast food restaurant, or if you work in a steel mill, if you work in an office building, none of that would, none of this would be acceptable. It would be dealt with. It would be referred to uh, the HR department and there would be discipline uh, doled out. And it ended with Mike Babcock resigning Um Maybe I'm surprised that it he didn't even get to coach a formal official practice, but I think that this was a recipe um, that was doomed from the start uh, just with what Columbus is trying to do and Mike Babcock's history. Overall, uh, it's just a very black mark on the franchise, and um, for a franchise that wants to be taken seriously, just a huge step um, backwards, and now they're kind of resetting here now just days before uh, training camp starts. Uh, question number two, again, from Brian. This one's going to Snail. Uh, he wants to know, Brian wants to know, who has your vote for the best style in the league? This is a question that I've been hoping someone would ask. And uh, just because of the length of this mailbag, I'll, I'll keep it shorter and sweeter than what I have, the notes I have in front of me. Um, for any youth listening, the best style is a 200-foot game responsibly or responsible defensively and supporting your teammates. But uh, all jokes aside, uh, we got to first tip our hats here to the style gods of the past. I'm talking about like Fedorov, Alexei Kovalev, uh, Mike Green more recently, um, Ilya Kovalchuk. All those guys had impeccable on ice stees. Um, but in the current game right now, I think a lot of people... When they think of style, I think they're thinking of like William William Nylander, uh, maybe maybe Mitch Marner, maybe Austin Matthews. Uh, they get the the custom skates going for whatever special night they're they're uh, participating in. Um, but for me personally, I think that there's a couple of veterans that still hold the title for like steeziest on ice looks. Uh, one of them being Patrick Kane. He's always kept it super fresh. There's nothing you can pick apart about his style. 
And uh, for me personally, I think the guy that whenever I see him on the ice, I'm like, that's just, he just looks good all the time. From his skates to his bucket, it's Drew Doughty. I think Drew Doughty has great style. Um, an honorable mention, I actually discussed this question a little bit with one of my buddies, and he was adamant that I include um, Kucherov in Tampa. Apparently he's, I, I mean, I think he looks good out there. Um but yeah, I think it's got to be Patrick Kane or Drew Doughty, especially when Patrick Kane gets the little mullet going, his little signature mullet with the little uh, the stripes in the side of his head. Uh, I think uh, those guys kind of hold the title right now. One thing that I'm noticing that is going away in the game that bums me out a little bit as far as on-ice style is like these kids these days aren't rocking the floppy tongue. I think that the floppy tongue just like adds plus 10 to your, to your style points. So I'll digress. I'll... I'll we'll move on from this. So yeah, to answer it short and sweet, Patrick Kane and Drew Doughty. Uh, question number three, coming from Brian. Are you sad to see the fall off of former Penguin Alex Galchenyuk, a third overall pick by the Habs, and the main return in the Kessel to Arizona trade? Uh, going down to three minutes of ice time, and now he's off to the KHL, not to mention his off-ice issues. Uh, it's really sad to see from a player that... Uh, it's really sad to see a former player like that that had so much potential. I think this is magnified and amplified because of his draft positioning. I think he was, what, third overall by Montreal. So um, I think it was the 2012 draft, if I'm not mistaken. I could be getting my dates fudged up. But, yeah, it, that looking back on the Kessel trade, I, I don't look back on that with fond memories. They did get P.O. Joseph out of that trade and you know joseph hasn't really he's become an nhl player i don't know if he's become the top four sort of cornerstone that maybe jim rutherford envisioned but back to galchenyuk dealing with some off-ice issues and seeing his playtime decrease in the nhl now having to take a role over in the khl i don't know if you call it a fall from grace again you're taken if you're taken within the top five in any draft no matter what professional sport league you play for nba nhl major league baseball whatever top five top 10 a first round pick that 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 distinction that label carries with it a certain kind of pressure that you're never going to escape from because that first round draft bust label is going to be attached to you if you don't live up to the certain level of expectation that is is given to you. You're thinking a top three pick is going to come in and almost immediately dominate the NHL. And early in his career with Montreal, I think, you know, signs were promising that maybe he would be uh, one of the next big things at forward. And it has sort of dwindled down and maybe spir spiraled out of control from there. So it's, it's unfortunate. I hope that for Galchenyuk's sake, all is well mentally and physically. Uh, after seeing some of the reports of what had transpired off the ice, um, maybe his NHL career is in the rearview mirror. Maybe he finishes out his professional career in Europe or maybe in the American Hockey League. But uh, for his sake, I, I just hope all is well mentally and physically. And hey, he's still getting... He's still getting a paycheck to play a kid's game at the end of the day. It may not be under the bright lights of the National Hockey League, but uh, he's getting paid a lot more money than maybe 
me or snail or Robbie will ever see playing professional hockey. Question number four comes from Brian going back to Robbie here with the Wilkes bear Scranton penguins going to be a better deeper team. Do you see them potentially being a Calder cup contender? So I can't, I don't pay that much attention to uh, the AHL team to say that they will be a uh, Calder cup contender, but they're definitely going to be uh, seemingly a, a better team this year than they have the past two or three years. Um, cause that was one of Kyle Dubas main goals was to make that team better. And he wanted to make it, making that better gave the Penguins more depth through the system for injuries and call-ups, uh, and whatnot. So, uh, making that team better kind of helps out the big club as well. Now, whether or not, uh, where they'll be at, uh, competing wise, I can't really say, uh, with any certainty, I just know that they'll be better. They've really kind of struggled the last few years. They've had great teams in the past. They've never uh, won a championship, but they've had some really great teams and not that long ago. Uh, so it's it's really good to see uh, some emphasis being put back on uh, the AHL team, even if it's just to get more depth and more talent down there to, uh, to help with call-ups. Uh, and it, it helps those younger guys develop too. I mean, getting some experience with guys that have uh, played in the – played professionally, played in the NHL, um, that are more skilled than uh, maybe your average run-of-the-mill AHL contract guy. Um, It's going to help those younger kids, too, develop, um, especially in practice when they got to go up against these guys. So um, being able to um, uh, improve that team, is a it was a big goal of Kyle Dubas uh, this offseason, and it seems, at least on paper, that he's done that. Um, It'll all – it won't matter until the puck hits the ice, but we'll find out soon enough um, how much improved it is. But um, it'll be interesting to watch um, how they perform under this new management. Uh, question number five, again from Brian here. Uh, if you could make a Bash Brothers um, pair with two current NHL players, who would you pick? Uh, you guys can choose any position, but I'll keep it true to form and keep with two defensemen in Radko Gudis and Jacob Truba. So I guess before uh, I give my answers here, I got to I've got to ask. I think most I, I'm going to ask direct this to Garrett. Do you know who the Bash Brothers are, Garrett? Uh, I vaguely googled Bash Brothers. Okay, when I was putting this together. Um, I think it's 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 um, I think it's Major League Baseball. I'm pretty sure. No, yeah, it's yeah. Not. The uh, the Oakland Athletics. Wait, uh, is it Jose Canseco and and Mark McGuire? None of you guys watch the Mighty Ducks movies? That's what I was getting. Uh, the Bash Brothers is actually from the Mighty Ducks movies. I was all of a sudden like, holy shit, do I not have no idea who the Bash Brothers are? That's Ma- the first thing that came up when I Googled Bash Brothers. I have not seen the Mighty Ducks movies, so. Oh, oh my. my God. Look, okay. that's, a, that's a conversation for another day here, gentlemen. Okay, I mean, you have, you're from Seattle and haven't watched Frasier, so you can't really, you don't have much. much fair, fair. Not a whole lot, but you, okay, so. I was going to say, um, I love the Mighty Ducks movies. I have them on VHS, and I watch them multiple times a year. Garrett, do you know what a VHS is? Yes, Snail. I, 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 what do you think? I came out of the womb yesterday. Of course I know what a VHS is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I've seen some hilarious videos of like younger people in the NHL being asked what a cassette, like a video a VHS is or a cassette. And some of them have no idea. So, well, that's, that's the thing. Like a lot, some of those people are my age. I'm 25 and go up to any 25 or 25 year old or younger. And I guarantee you, you get a mixed bag of responses of what a VHS or a cassette tape is. Okay, so in in the Mighty Ducks, there are two defensemen, um, and they're called the Bash Brothers, and they just like run dudes through walls. So, um, this uh, I love this question, and uh, honestly, to uh, Brian picked like I think the two quintessential Bash Brothers that are in the NHL right now, being Gudis and Truba. So just so I'm not copying his. Uh, his two defensemen. I picked Nikita Zadorov and Brendan Dillon. I think those dudes are two absolute mutants out there and fit the identity of Bash Brothers. And some honorable mentions I would say would be a uh, not defenseman would be Nick Delorier and Brandon Tanev. Those guys both run around and do their thing, make space out there. So um, that's who I would choose for current NHL players. Uh, that would be the Bash Brothers. I was thinking that one of the first guys that came to mind, though, was Dustin Bufflin, but he unfortunately is no longer in the NHL. I really miss that dude watching watching him play. All right. Question number six from Brian. Do you really think the NFL, do you really think the NFL is scripted? I don't know, but I saw some guy tweet that Aaron Rodgers was going to tear his Achilles four hours before the game. So it's questionable unless he knows Doc Brown and Marty McFly. The thing about these the these not not Brian's question specifically but the rumors that circulate saying the NFL is scripted or professional sports are scripted is that i mean th- those those kinds of statements delve too far deep into conspiracy theory territory and if you know one thing about me it's that i'm not big on conspiracy theories um look i i could sit here i could go on twitter right now and and say um, TJ Watt is going to have seven sacks uh, in next week's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And 99.999% sure that doesn't happen, but in the 0.0001% chance that it does happen, I look like I know something that nobody else does. The, the guy that tweets out Aaron Rodgers blows his Achilles out on that turf for his first game four hours uh, before it actually happens. I think that's just coincidence happenstance. I don't, there's no way that guy, like the people that genuinely believe that the league is scripted. If that were the case, then like the, the Los Angeles Rams or one of the New York teams would be winning the Super Bowl every year because that's just because those markets are the biggest markets that the NFL operates in. The The idea that it's scripted is a bunch of malarkey. I don't buy it. I don't, I, the, the, the links that you would have to go to, to script all of those things week in and week out. There's so many variables at play. I think it's just funny happenstance that the guy tweets that Aaron Rodgers was going to blow his Achilles out. I could go say the same thing about, Sidney Crosby, knock on wood, something crazy happens to him, and I'll, I could go and stand on a pedestal and say, I told you so, go look at my receipt. I told you that on September tw- September 19th, Sidney Crosby was going to break his ankle, 
and but you can't you can't predict things like that so no i don't buy that the league is scripted um and i i don't buy a lot of that conspiracy theory hoopla that gets thrown around the interwebs far too often Question number seven from Brian, back to Robbie here. If the NHL ever hosted an outdoor game overseas, where would you want it to be? So I've actually given thought to this in the past, um, just because. So my guess would be that if they do do this, and I think they will at some point, I think it's all um, trending that direction, uh, that we will see an outdoor game, especially in Europe at some point. It'll probably be one of, uh, the major arenas over in like a Germany, a Switzerland, um, Finland, one of those Finland, Norway, Sweden, one of those um, uh, countries. But what I'd really like to see is kind of a Lake Tahoe situation like the NHL did uh, a few years ago, maybe at the base of the Eiffel tower. If you could put up a rink, um, and got the proper weather to do it at the base of the Eiffel Tower. In front, there's a big green area in front of the Eiffel Tower um, that you could do it at. My uh, my bucket list one. I don't think it's going to happen. Would be inside the Roman Colosseum. How cool would that be? That would be an incredible uh, inside of there. Um, London. I don't really know exactly where London. I mean, it's such a it's such an expansive, massive city. Uh, I guess you could do it at like. Uh, Wembley, which would be absolutely insane. That would be an insane crowd uh, to do a game at Wembley. And if they would go over there, I think that would have to be very much uh, on the top of uh, on the top of the list. But like, you have so much cool culture and stuff over there that you could you could do it. Um, I think it'll end up being in an arena, uh, a famous arena over there. But I think that uh, utilizing the um, the sightseeing places, your Eiffel Towers, um, your uh, um, yeah Eiffel Tower, um, somewhere in Berlin outside Brandenburg Gate, um, yeah, so just somewhere super uh, super cool, a little different, like a Lake Tahoe type setting um, would be super would be super cool to me. But I think in the end, it'll be a place like Wembley or Stade France or um Allianz Arena in Munich um I don't really know the name of any of the ones in Stockholm or Nor but one of their famous um arenas that they use for outdoor uh, activities up there I think that's more or less what you're going to look at but I and if they do they'll go that route I'm, I mean a game at Wembley would be absolutely insane um uh, would be super cool uh would you get a lot of fans traveling over uh if you can make it happen so I think it'll be one of those big arenas uh, but I'd love to see them tap into like the cultural roots of Europe uh, and put it outside one of the major attractions, uh, build up with some stands. I think that would be uh, super cool. Uh, question number eight uh, from Woody, switching up here a little bit. Uh, what team do you dislike the most? Uh, for Woody, he says it's the Rangers. Uh, I've never forgiven Adam Graves or the Rangers um, for what Graves did to Mario uh, in the playoffs in 1992. Um, I have two teams that I hate the most, but I would, I would say I hate the Rangers right now more than I, than I hate any other team in the NHL. Um, especially after a couple years ago that, that game seven overtime loss where Panarin buried it. 
I was at a hockey bar during that series and I had a a run in with a couple of Rangers fans and like I mean the Rangers fan base I think like there you could argue for annoying fan bases especially on Twitter like I think every team has had their moment um as far as fan bases go so, so as far as like team goes I would have to say the Rangers right now but uh, right behind it has got to be the Maple Leafs I cannot stand the Leafs I they're this uh I don't know I'll I'm not going to go too much into it. There's a bunch of players on that team that I can't stand their their body language. I can't stand Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, to be totally honest. Um, so I would say Rangers and Leafs, are. it's like a close tie. Uh, question number nine here coming from Woody. You have to pick a tag team partner for a wrestling match. What Pens player do you want in your corner with you? He wants Ulf Samuelson. So if... if- Members of who listen to this podcast, if they got a chance to listen to me on the Locked On Penguins podcast a couple of weeks ago with Pat Damp, uh, we had talked about a question similar to this, talking about which Penguins player would be good WWE wrestlers. And I have I'm 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 going to maintain continuity here and take my answer from what I gave Pat when I recorded that podcast, and I will keep it here. And I will say, Georges Larocq, former Penguin, I would want him to be my tag team partner in a wrestling match. He wasn't with the Penguins for a long time, but I mean, look at his listed height and weight six foot three, 243 pounds, according to Wikipedia. And I've seen some reports say that Larocq at some point weighed up to as close as 270 pounds. So imagine a six foot three, 270 pound bruising force of a of a freight train coming right at you if i wanted to go undefeated as a tag team georges Larocque, it may be a uh it, it may be an under the radar kind of pick he was only here for really a cup of coffee but georges Larocque, given the career he had throughout the nhl not even with the pittsburgh penguins but throughout the nhl uh that big beefy bruising man is who i would want to have as my tag team partner. All right, switching it up here, going back to Robbie. Question number 10 comes from Kim from Denmark. Who do each of you think is the greatest player, uh, all-time greatest player at each position? Goalie, defender, center, and winger. So uh, pretty straightforward for me. Um, I go with goaltender. It is Dominic Hatchick. I've said that on this podcast uh, before. Um, never be a goalie like him. Um, so to me, absolutely. Why do we have? Okay, we have this question on here twice. Um, number fourteen. I think Garrett accidentally copied um, it over twice. Um, Ten and fourteen are the exact same question. Uh, so, um, but yeah, Dominic Hatchkin goal defender is Bobby Orr. Um, I, again, could be a, a, a good amount of uh, names of that list, but I I stick with Orr there. Uh, winger, I got to go Ovechkin. Um, probably going to break the goals record um, here in the next few years if he can stay healthy. And because I will die on this hill forever as a Penguins fan and as a true understander of the game of hockey, uh, the best player of all time, uh, and he plays center, is Mario Lemieux. 
are we branching out for the for this question? Uh, it says each, so if you each want to yeah, yeah. Mine's sure. quick and quick and easy here. Okay, yeah. Um uh I also had Hasek as a goal as as the best goaltender. I actually put Paul Coffey as the best That's defender. Yeah, I mean you could go a couple different ways with the I think Orr was like the for his time he like he just redefined what it meant to be a defender. But I think Coffee was like a true master of it. And then I have uh, best center, Mario. And then uh, I, for winger, though, I put uh, Brett Hull. Not a bad choice either. Okay. Uh, I really, really didn't take a whole lot of time analyzing this question. But uh, let's see here. Best winger. I mean, I may, because I'm going third, I might sound like I'm copying here. But I'll say best winger is Ovechkin. Best defender. Again, I probably snail. Did you say who, snail? Who is your best defender? Coffee. Coffee. Uh, Robbie, did you say Bobby Orr? Yep. Yeah. Uh, like again, Bobby Orr kind of transformed, retransformed what it meant to be uh, a, a defenseman. That goal celebration. The NHL loves touting how iconic that goal celebration is. Uh, center, look, this is a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. If I say Wayne Gretzky over Mario Lemieux, I may not have a microphone to come record to next week. So uh, Mario Lemieux for center goalie. Uh, it's cheap because you look at what Martin Brodeur accomplished and – he has that. I think he has the NHL's all-time wins record. But you don't look at wins. I know a lot of people look at goaltending wins, and that's not really a stat that's indicative of the goaltender himself. Um, uh, b -b -b best goaltender of all time, Jim Rutherford. Uh, we will end on a funny note and say <laughs> Jim Rutherford. Oh, look, you can take my fan card and and revoke it, but. Because I was on, I was put on the spot here. I didn't really research best of all time. <laughs> I'll say Jim Rutherford, and I'll take the flat any accompanying flack that comes with that. So uh, yeah, that, that's that's my list. I basically copied Robbie Snail, and uh, for best goaltender of all time, you get the one and only Jim Rutherford. All right, question number eleven uh, from Woody: uh, the Super Bowl or Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. You can only watch one. What are all three of you choosing? Uh, Woody says for him, it's the Stanley Cup. Uh, give me the Stanley Cup. Wait, did it say game 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 seven. Se game seven, dude? Give me game seven of the Stanley Cup every day of the week and twice, if not thrice, on Sunday. Robbie, are, uh, are you going Stanley Cup too? Um, I guess it depends on my team's playing in it, right? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I guess that's true. If you I mean, be technical. if the Steelers are playing in the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup is like um, Vegas versus Tampa Bay, I'm sorry to the NHL, but I'm absolutely watching the Steelers at the Super Bowl. Um, and I guess vice versa would be the same if the Penguins were in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final versus... Um, just two random teams in game or in the Super Bowl, but I will say, as a lifelong football fan, the Super Bowl is always kind of held like it's been very high on my list of like I just want to attend one someday. Uh, so, I mean, Game Seven, the same like a final, obviously would be insane. 
the Super Bowl was kind of like taken on like its own aura of it within itself. So, I mean, I definitely kind of lean towards Super Bowl. Would all depend on what my team situation is in this, but I would generally, if it's like four teams that I have no interest in, um, taking all favoritism out of it, I would take uh, the Super Bowl. I'll end this question here. I'll probably go with Stanley Cup Game Seven, Stanley Cup. If the pay, like if if we want to put the asterisks next to it, uh, if the pa- the Penguins have to be playing in that Game Seven, uh, maybe it's because it happened more recently than a Steelers Super Bowl victory. But seeing I seeing that I can still vividly remember the anxiety that I felt in uh, twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, uh, watching those Stanley Cup Final matchups. Um, the drama that I think comes with a, a game seven after you play six prior games of competitive hockey. I think the, the, the drama for me, again, my team has to be in the championship game for me to have a dog in that fight. So uh, I will put a bow on this question and say uh, uh, Stanley Cup final game seven for me. All right. Question number 12, I believe, from Kim. If Mario Lemieux had played uh, on a similar team as Gretzky did, do you think he would have as many points per game? This is an interesting question, one that I'm not going to dive too deep into the weeds with because no matter, really, I think, no matter where Mario Lemieux would have been drafted, Pittsburgh, Edmonton, uh anywhere in the league at that time, St. Louis, anywhere. I forget who else was trying to tank for Lemieux in 84. Um, but you put Lemieux anywhere, his greatness was not bound by any one team or any one collection of players. He would more than likely have gone to any team that would have drafted him and his greatness would have been on display. Now, would that team, would that team's management surround Lemieux with players like a Yarmir Yager, Paul Coffey, uh, all of the great elite players that we've discussed on this podcast before, uh, talking about those teams in 1991 and 1992, would uh, the executives surround Lemieux with that kind of talent? Again, you you can't really say for certain because uh, there are so many variables at play, but had Lemieux gone anywhere else other than Pittsburgh, I firmly believe he his greatness, his ability for the game – would still be right there. And the rivalry between Lemieux and Gretzky throughout the eighties and nineties would still have emerged as one of the NHL's real defining moments as, as a sports league. So Lemieux would have had success anywhere he would have went, but aren't we all glad that he had success right here in the steel city question 13, I believe staying with Kim, going back to Robbie here. What is your favorite holiday location and where would you like to go sometime on holiday yeah so you definitely tell kim's uh from europe with how she worded that question or he i don't know um i apologize if i got that (laughs) wrong there um yeah uh europeans call it holiday we call it vacation um favorite holiday location is uh, a very good question um uh, on my bucket i have like a long bucket list i really want to go to japan I really want to go to Tokyo, Kyoto, um, uh, just to experience that culture and eat that and try their food because I love um, sushi. I know that they have 
uh, like ramens and stuff like that. Uh, very interested in um, going to Japan someday. That's definitely high on my bucket list. Um, maybe one that people don't expect, but uh, one that I've kind of put up there too is Morocco. Um, just that culture is fascinating to me. Um, I've, I, I know people that have vacationed there before and they said it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, Morocco is up there as well. And number three, uh, and this one's a little, probably a little more doable, uh, in the short term, but going to Banff in Canada, uh, the, uh, national park up in, uh, Western Canada, um, just, I mean, the pictures just don't even do it justice. I know, um, people who've honeymooned there or just gone up there for vacation. They say it just, uh, blows your mind how beautiful it is. So, uh, those are three on my list. I, again, I have a long list. I could sit here for an hour and list off all the places I, I'd love to travel to. But yeah, Japan, Morocco, and Banff would be like three of those that I would just off the top of my head that I would pick uh, simply because they're just, to me, they are uh, absolutely stunning. Uh, go to 15. Go to me at 15. Yeah, like you said. Garrett. But yeah, actually, was... that, that question is different. It, it's it? in the it's in the NHL. Like I took that as like right now, like uh, current players. I I'm not. I don't think we need to rehash that. Um, I maybe I don't know. Um, my list is vastly different than it, it was for that one, just because right, those ones then, are all retired guys. Okay, we'll just roll through it then, as 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 is. Um, who do each you think the best goalie, best defender, best center, and best winger uh, in the NHL or active in the NHL? Um, this is pre- this was super easy for me. Uh, goaltender, give me Vasilevsky. Defenseman, Kale McCarr. Center, I'm going with Sid every day of the week. And uh, winger, I have uh, Matthew Kachuk. I love the way that that guy plays. Short and sweet. Um, we'll just roll right on here. Question number uh, 15. Um, what team has the greatest home jersey, and who has the greatest away jersey? And who has the greatest alternate uh, alternate throwback jersey? On the flip side, who has the worst jersey? All right, talking jerseys here. A lot of jerseys. I wish we had, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the hockey guy on YouTube. He has like one of the craziest hockey jersey collections I've ever seen. Um, but uh, talking jerseys here, greatest home jersey. Uh, look, to avoid me just saying Pittsburgh for all of these, I will branch out and explore different teams here as I rack my brain here. I really, really, really like Edmonton's orange, the orange and blue. Um, and I think, I think they recently changed Edmonton's color scheme just a little bit to make that orange pop on the ice. I think it's more akin to what uh, Gretzky and his teammates were wearing when they won their Stanley cups in the eighties with that dynasty. So I'll say Edmonton's orange, orange and blue for the home jersey greatest away jersey my money uh no lie is on pittsburgh's current away jersey with that the white and the pittsburgh gold is so crisp if i do get another jersey it would be a eric carlson jersey in a pittsburgh white away uh hands down the best away jersey in the game right now greatest alternate throwback jersey uh, this is very easy for me as well. The Kings used to wear purple and gold uniforms as their regulars, regular uniforms, and they have since obviously switched to the black and gray or black and white. Those gold 
gold and purple alternates that they come out with every so often. I think it was a reverse retro uh, last year, the year before. Those are my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, throwback jerseys. On the flip side, who has the worst jersey? Uh, who has the ugliest jersey in the NHL? Uh, the Florida Panthers, maybe? I mean, there's nothing really super inspiring about the Panthers jersey as I look at it right now. Uh, maybe the Vancouver can. I, I mean, I like the Vancouver Canucks color scheme. I'm not a big fan of their logo. I I heard a rumor that the Canucks may be going back to uh, the alternates that they had. It was like that black, red, and yellow look that I think they wore in the 80s. I, th I heard a rumor that they may be going back to that on a permanent basis. If that's the case, uh, those jerseys become one of my favorites in the league. But the blue and green, meh, doesn't really do anything for me. And uh, I'll end this question by saying anything that the Philadelphia Flyers have ever worn has been an absolute disgrace to humanity, and the Philadelphia Flyers jerseys always stink. Shots fired. Good. Question number 16, staying, staying on track here, going back to Woody here. This question is for Robbie. Would Larry Murphy be in your top five Penguins defenseman of all time? Because Woody says, yes, he would. It, it, to answer this pretty much um, straightforward, uh, Murphy is absolutely a top five uh, the Penguins defenseman of all time. Uh, rolling with Chris Letang and Paul Coffey is two. Um I think you got to put Gonchar at three, or you don't even necessarily have to rank him, just in a, a group of five. Gonchar's in there. Um, he was only really here five years, but what he meant to um, the Penguins was um, uh, really uh, tough to overestimate what he meant to the Penguins when he came in. Uh, and then Murphy's right there. I mean, Murphy, a Hall of Famer in his own right, a great defenseman, uh, top five in all-time defenseman scoring for the Penguins. Uh, and then the fifth one is kind of a uh, a pick, whatever you're kind of feeling. Uh, do you go with a guy like Brooks Orpik or Brian Dumoulin? Do you go with the only um, Norris winner in franchise history and Randy Carlisle? Um, or even Ron Stackhouse, who was a 70s Penguin, but was one of the first, um, I don't want to say superstar, but one of their first like face of the franchise type players uh, in the younger days of, of the Penguins back when they weren't good, but uh, Ron Sackhouse uh, was a great defenseman in Pittsburgh as well. Um, it really all depends on where you want to go. And hey, fingers crossed that maybe um, after Eric Carlson's done in Pittsburgh, the, the the top five is a little more clear cut with um, him taking over, um, him being the the solid fifth guy uh, in that parent in that group as well. But um, yeah, I think anything that involves any any um, group that involves when you're talking top five defensemen in Penguins history, uh, has to involve Larry Murphy, um, two cups, a hall of famer. Uh, yeah. A really great player and really important contributor, uh, to what the Penguins did, um, during his time here. Uh, question number 17, uh, going back to Brian here, uh, if we're about two months into the season and the bottom six is struggling to score, but being very defensively sound, how do you see Dubas and company, Dubas and company, handling the situation. Do you think they'll take a G, uh, G, uh, Jim Rutherford approach or more of a Hexall approach? Um, so I think that, uh, let's say, yeah, two months into the season and the bottom six is struggling to score, but they're being defensively sound. I think Dubas is a mover and a shaker. Like, I think that 
he will be if things aren't working i think he will be whittling away at the roster um he's not a lot of these like bottom six guys he signed i mean he's not married to these players uh it's not like in toronto where i don't know if you guys remember but he was bringing all these guys he has ties to from uh his time in the in, in sault saint marie um it's not a situation like that i think that dubis is cut from a similar cloth as uh uh, Jim Rutherford, I, the last I, I, he's not the type of guy that I think is going to. If he sees something that could be improved upon, he's not going to take a a hextall esque approach and sit back and do nothing. Um, I think he will be, like I said, he's a mover and a shaker. I think he will address glaring issues as best as he can um, on the fly. Question number 18 here from Brian. With all the talent that went through Atlanta, what do you contribute to hockey not working out there? Once again, there are rumors. Rumors abound that the NHL, perhaps the third time is the charm, that they will once again re-enter Atlanta and try and make hockey work down there in the ATL. The first time with the Atlanta Flames, I think you chalk that up to the league at the time in the early 70s, throughout their time i think they lasted from what 72 to 1980 before they relocated to calgary in that time the league was nowhere near as expansive and as popular as it is now the first time chalk it up to the league not properly growing a real fan base and uh real planting seeds for understanding the game i i don't think the atlanta flames they obviously won no Stanley Cups, no conference championships, no division championships. They had no playoff, real no no real playoff success uh, throughout their time, the first go around. The jerseys were great, though. When they relocated to Calgary, Calgary was like, yeah, we'll take these jersey ideas. We'll just put a flaming C on it instead of a flaming A. The second time with the Thrashers, I think by that time when the league went back to Atlanta, fans were going to those games and the flat the thrashers weren't like dead last in the league in league attendance the reason that didn't work out is because they were locked out of their arena and they had a very very poor ownership structure the nhl basically bailed the team out and very quickly was like okay this ownership group is not working we're going to take control of the thrashers and uh, that Winnipeg collective up there with the ownership group with deep pockets came in and hence the relocation of the thrashers to becoming the Winnipeg jets. So it's a combination of different factors, but the second go around, I think the Atlanta fans who cheered for the thrashers really got the short end of the stick when they relocated and they didn't have a solid ownership group or, and they really weren't competent at all because they couldn't work out arena issues. So if the NHL goes to Atlanta for a third time, which, you know, maybe it happens within the next five years or so, um, third time's the charm, I guess I guess you say, and you, you hope that hockey can be more permanent in the ATL than it has been in the previous two attempts. Question number 19, Robbie, this question is from Brian. What are your thoughts that you've seen so far on the Prospects Tournament? Any big standouts or key things that you've seen so far? So I was kind of paying attention to it a little bit on the periphery um, just to get some names, uh, get familiar with some guys that would be uh, at least in camp for a little bit. 
uh, maybe playing a preseason game or, or whatnot. But um, the two biggest names I saw stick out were 2023 first-round draft pick, Braden Yeager. Um, uh, there was one highlight of a goal he scored, which was absolutely disgusting. Um, just a very strong move with a great backhand in tight. Um, fantastic uh, to see from a guy that um, basically is their top overall prospect in the system right now. Um, there was some frustration when he was picked, but I think everything we saw from the prospects tournament um, uh, makes you feel a little bit better about it. He definitely looks like um, he could be a special player. Um, uh, just would be interesting to watch how he develops uh, this season. I believe he'll be back in junior for at least another year. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on that. Braden Yeager, the looked like he absolutely uh, was fantastic in this, in this prospect tournament looked really good. Uh, another one is one that um, a name that you might hear sooner rather than later. And that is goaltender uh, Joel Blomquist. Um, basically when he was drafted, his big attributes, his big upside was he is an athletic freak um, and he can make unbelievable save just because he can, his athletic, his athleticism and his flexibility is just off the charts. And from what I read on the prospects tournament, all that was on display um, his technique still is a little rough around the edges. Again, this will be his first um, one, his first full season in North America, and his first full se- not his full not his first full season as a pro. He played pro over uh, in Sweden, but it will be his first full season on North American ice, uh, playing the North American game. So, uh, speak. We talked a little earlier about how good um, Wilkesbury could be. He's going to be a very key part in that because he's going to get a lot of action. Um, in goal. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of, he's not a huge goaltender, uh, but he is uh, apparently just an athletic freak in net. And that can go a long way if you can refine the the other parts of your game. Um, so the two big names out of that prospect tournament for the Penguins were easily Braden Yeager and Joel Blomquist. Um, so two names to also keep on, uh, keep eyes on uh, as this season progresses to see their development and um, wherever they're playing. Okay, question number 20. We're going back to Kim here. Um, who is the best undrafted player in Penguins history? So I I feel like this could be kind of interpreted two ways. So I have two guys here. Um, both of these are kind of more recency biased, but uh, like the I have Kunitz down here. Uh, Kunitz was undrafted, but it wasn't the Penguins who signed him as an undrafted player taking a chance on him. He was uh, originally picked up by Anaheim. Um, but Kunitz, I mean, just a, a leader for the Penguins and a key contributor in all three of their um, uh, recent Stanley Cup, I guess if you want to call 2009 recent, their recent uh, Stanley Cup victories. But I have, as a player that the Penguins picked up that also played a huge role in the back-to-backs that was undrafted was Connor Sheary. He hopped right in. Uh, on Sid's wing, major contributor, a small player, played super mightily. Um, uh, he's, I think, the fir- first and foremost, like the guy I think of as a guy they took a chance on that panned out and really, uh, really contributed and helped the uh, the Penguins achieve a lot of success. Um, I'd be curious to know if uh, Garrett or Robbie is there. Do you guys have any opinion on this? Uh, as far as undrafted players in Penguins history? I have a soft spot. I'll always have a soft spot. You mentioned Kunitz. 
That was the first name that came to my mind. The second name, Pascal Dupuis. Again, a lot of that is recency bias, but those two players will always have a special place in my heart. They just came up on top of Crosby's wing. Those were his preferred line mates. And uh, just when I, that's really my formative years of when I really started to get into hockey, watching those guys alongside Crosby, they just happened to both be undrafted. So uh, more personal, uh, a more personal thing there, I guess, but Kunitz definitely, and I'll say Pascal Dupuis. Yeah, I kind of roll with the same. I mean, Sherry is a big one because um, definitely more recency bias there. Uh, but, um, yeah, Kunitz is a big one. Any of those guys, and again, recency bias does play a factor here, but um, you win a cup in Pittsburgh, doesn't really matter when you won it or how you got in the league, you're going to remember it in Pittsburgh uh, for a very long time. I think two other guys, again, these weren't guys that like weren't drafted and the Penguins picked them up, but they were undrafted players who made impacts everywhere they went. I think two honorable mentions should uh, is uh, Joey Mullen and uh, uh, Ruslan, Ruslan Fedotenko, if you guys remember from 2009. Ruslan Fedotenko, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> he was he was unreal, man. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's Kunitz is just like, I think, yeah, like Garrett said, first and foremost, but again, he wasn't an undrafted player that the Penguins picked up as undrafted he was traded for. So anyways, we'll move on here. Uh, Question number 21 from Brian. (laughs) You've now seen the flow and the response flow from Snail. East first West, whose flow is better? This is the one question. I specifically wanted to answer this question. And Robbie, we will get your thoughts. I don't know if you've seen the pictures on social media. I have been waiting weeks and I called Brian out, I think multiple times to send a picture of his hair or as we're affectionately calling it flow. And I have to tell you, uh, for those listening, uh, underneath snail's name on the, pro- the software that we're using to record he has the hashtag flow bro underneath his little name name tag there. So, uh, but this is the question I really wanted to answer this week. The best flow East versus West. Uh, really, this is a battle for all the marbles here. Flow supremacy. Who will take home the, the, cha- the championship here? You may expect me to say snail, but I, I looking at both, Snail has a very, very good facial hair um, structure, I guess, if you, if you want to call it that. Thank a, you. A, I, but flow-wise, for, what, what, for what's on top of your head, uh, I, I will go with – I will give the edge to Brian there. But uh, So Snail is not left out. He gets a, a stick tap for the facial hair. Uh, Brian will take the championship this year with best flow. So the championship goes to the East Coast in uh, this game. Uh, Question number 22. I believe this goes to Robbie. We're back uh, answering another question from Kim. Robbie, it's a very simple question. What is your favorite movie? I mean, man, that's a lot of questions, isn't it? Um, Boy, singular favorite movie. I am going to have to say... 
this is going to very cliche because I'm sure a lot of people say this. I'm going to say The Godfather. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's the perfect movie, right? Like, interesting. There's very few, just, there's very few flaws in it, if any, um, to me at least. And again, though, again, that could change if I go and watch uh, another movie. Um, as well, I'd put Return of the King up there. Um, again, another movie I'd find to be near perfect uh, in about every uh, every way. Um, but if I had to say, I'd say The Godfather, just because it's probably the most near perfect movie, uh, in my opinion, from start to finish. Snail, I want to get your thoughts. What's your favorite movie? Oh boy, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> um favorite movie man i god what would i can can you go before me and give me a second to ruminate i yeah i guess uh i if you follow me on social media you know i make my love for the star wars franchise no secret um a movie Just because it's rise of skywalker does not mean you should feel ashamed <laughs> okay I'm going to pretend like he didn't say that. And I will say though, um, my favorite, uh, my favorite of the sequel trilogy is the last Jedi. Oh, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. I yes. hate people that don't that to say it's bad. It's the worst. Yes, it's absolutely. One It's clearly again. And I'm not a hater on the sequels. Like some people are yeah, it me is clearly the best of the, the sequel movies. And I would, again, I'm, I kind of lean toward row one as being the best star Wars movie. But I think that it is not – I would put it behind – maybe third, fourth. If I'm putting Rogue One at first, um, um, Strikes Back, New Hope, and then um, Last or Last Jedi. I think for me, I think I'll go – I mean, I, I, we could have a whole podcast episode talking about this. Out of all of the films, I'll say Empire is my – my my go-to number one out of out of all of them so but you mentioned return of the king uh, that really just jogged my memory um i have a gr- i have a great memory of watching lord of the rings for the first time and seeing uh the two towers the battle of helm's deep oh yeah I, great movie all three of those are great movies yes really i mean uh oh man i remember watching lord of the rings the, 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 i i got the like super extended uncut version on Blu-ray. And uh, I had never seen Lord of the Rings before. And it was, I I started it. It was like over three separate weekends. I watched each movie. And by the end of return of the King, I had tears coming out of my eyes because I was so emotionally impacted by the three movies that I had just sunk like nine hours into. So, uh, Great, great callback for Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King. With that being said, Snail, have you had enough time to marinate your chicken? <laughs> I have. So, I'll um, never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that threw me off a little bit, but uh, the chicken's marinated. I so I'm a huge Denzel fan, and uh, dude, there's one movie that I watch really frequently. Uh, and I was cut. I was, I was really ruminating hard there for a few minutes. Cause I have, I have 
maybe like three that are just like I don't know which one to say. Dude, Man on Fire. I love Man on Fire. Man on Fire is great. It's a anything great does, movie. Anything down to Denzel does is great. Agreed. I love Denzel. I watch. I feel like every time I'm like, oh, I watch all his movies, someone will be like, have you seen this one? And it's like, shit, actually, I haven't seen that one. I've seen a lot of Denzel's movies. Uh, Man on Fire is one of my favorite. It's such a great revenge flick. And it really it's it's like this empowering film. It's badass. Um, but I have to give an honorable mention here as far as my favorite movies. I've had a movie that I saw at a very, very young age and I have it on VHS and DVD. Uh and I watch it when I'm in a certain mood multiple times a year, and that's got to be Mars Attacks. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have seen that movie. It's an I older have movie. Not. You no. haven't. Mm-mm. It's a it's an alien movie. It's kind of got it's kind of a humorous, but like also kind of scary movie. I don't know. It's a it's a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, I would suggest you should just carve out a little time on a weekend to watch it. It's got a. Uh, it's got a whole host of actors you'd be shocked to see, and it's got a pretty good lineup. And uh, it's funny, but also, like, I remember as a kid, it was a scary movie. And then as I got older, it was more just, like, hilarious. But uh, favorite movie, I'm going to say Man on Fire. Uh, I think the next question. Oh, yeah, I asked the yeah. next question. Okay. Uh, question number 23 from Woody. Uh, do you agree with uh, Sidney Crosby in an article about the inconsistency of suspensions in the league. Um, Woody said he has to agree. Uh, the same penalty by two different players will be handled differently. Uh, it should be the same for both. Uh, just to really, I mean, we don't need to go into this too much, but short and sweet, yes, I agree with Sid. I think that they need to find a way to eliminate this like gray area because uh, uh, like Woody said, Sometimes I don't even know what a suspension is anymore. Sometimes I see something and if it's like a whack on the hands or like maybe like a, a a hit that is kind of riding the line of dirty, sometimes it's there's no supplemental discipline and then sometimes it, it's a suspension and I don't like how it changes in the playoffs either. Uh, I would just say I agree with Sid and they really need to find some sort of method so it's cut and dry what's a suspension and what's not and eliminate this gray area that's frustrating not only players but i think fans as well um i hate seeing i hate that it's like after every big hit now or uh even if it's a clean hit you know there's this uproar online and people are up in arms saying that this guy needs to be suspended i think that the they need to step in and implement some sort of like i had said just a cut and dry way to assess a suspension and supplemental discipline and all that. So um, how they do that, I think that's, <laughs> I think it's a lot, it's it's easier said than done, but um, that's what I'm, I'm hoping to see more consistency in the future for sure. Uh, question number 24 from Brian, how do you like your steaks? And Snail, if you don't eat meat, do you have an alternative? I know nothing about veganism. <laughs> You guys are going to love me for this one. Oh, if you say well, I'm going to jump in the microphone. All of Damn my... it. <laughs> Calm down. I haven't even said what I'm going to say yet. All of my ground beef, burgers and steak included. Cue the drum roll. All of my meat is well done. Oh, my gosh. Burgers, I can almost understand. Ground beef's a little different than a steak. 
but dude, a rough weld on steak is no way. Absolutely Might as well just have not. beef jerky. Yeah, no way. Absolutely not. Hey, I'm trying to reduce the risk of foodborne illness here. No, fellas. you're not. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I I know where I think I know where Robbie stands on this side of the argument. I'm not uh, rare, but I'm a medium, but not well done. <laughs> Wait, Robbie, uh, you like yours well rare? Medium. No, medium. medium. Uh, I used to, when I did enjoy steak every once in a while, I would, I liked it like extremely rare. I heard someone say this term one time and it's just knocked the wind out of it, which I thought was hilarious. It's called blue around here. I don't know. They call it different things. Blue. Different, blue. It's literally called like um done blue it's literally just a sear on each side like that's what a um, sear yes i enjoyed my steak like that steak is so funny because there's such a culture around it it's as a as a vegan um you eat food for fuel and like there's just such a culture around steak on like how to eat it and uh (laughs) you get such like opposing sides as how to consume this essentially just a uh a very bioavailable form of protein. Um, but yeah, that's how I used to. I, I obviously don't anymore. I don't eat steak anymore. And uh, there are a lot of different uh, substitutes for steak as a vegan. Essentially, if you're just looking for protein that's very bioavailable, tofu. And uh, the really popular one that that I actually really enjoy is a portobello mushrooms. You can season them just like a steak and they're very meaty. So they come out, you know, they really, they, they could scratch that itch for you. But, uh, now with the market and everything, there's a ton of like very more processed options, like beyond and impossible. They make ground beef products Beyond, uh, beyond actually makes these like vegan steak tips, which are, I, I had some the other night and they are, eerily close to what i remember like a carne asada tasting like and like the texture and everything's on point it's like i was cooking it and like someone was like questioning whether i was sure that was vegan or not so they're starting to really like uh that line is thinning between like uh like food that is clearly not meat and and uh, and food that looks like a meat product anyways so yeah there's plenty of options if you're craving uh craving a steak well done snail well done i have to applaud you on that one well done robbie indeed yeah uh question number 25 we're going back to kim here this question's for robbie if you could choose one current penguins player for a night out who would you choose so my not my night outs now look much differently than they did when i was in college so my pick back like 10 years ago would probably been wildly different than it is now um i'm gonna go with the classy man himself uh and go with Sidney crosby um i've always wanted to have a conversation with crosby just because i think he's a a fascinating athlete just to pick his brain because a very few athletes there's a lot of great athletes but very few seem to have uh the brain of like the all-time greats that see the game just at a completely on a completely different plane than um, just your run in the mill, your general athletes, like you're, you're good athletes, but not your great or your superstar athletes. Um, and I think he'd be a pretty good conversationalist um, when you get him one-on-one. I don't, I think he kind of gives off a, a hint of maybe boring, but sometimes that's good uh, to just sit down and have a conversation and try to just pick that brain a little bit. 
Um, Malkin would probably be fun too, just because. Just because I think once you got him talking, he wouldn't stop. Um, so either Crosby or Malkin, but I'd probably lean Crosby um, on that one. Who would a uh, Robbie of old pick if you're going out for just a wild oh, man? So night. like t- today's Penguins. Um, let me look at like today's Penguins. It probably would have been like. I mean, again, even like this team's not young anymore either. Friedman um, seems like a freak. Friedman would probably be an absolute animal. Um, I saw POJ was at, like a big um, uh, music fest this summer, so he'd probably be fun um, for that kind of thing. Um, do you do you guys remember when they won? I think it was twenty sixteen. Do you remember? It's the the picture is ingrained in my head of like Brian Dumoulin shot yeah, Dumoulin oh, would have yeah. been Dumoulin before like he got married and had kids would have been uh pretty any of those like you know, like Ross Sherry yeah. any of those guys during those years would have been uh completely unhinged and another guy that was completely unhinged would have been Carl Hagelin um oh yeah I mean he had kids and a family but like I remember after the 2017 watching the behind the scenes of like the 2017 Cup in Nashville, he came down uh, the day after before they left to get breakfast. And he was just, he had sunglasses on and he looked like he had not slept in like at least two weeks. And he was completely <laughs> just absolutely um, mashed. Gensel would have been fun too when he was younger too. I think Gensel definitely would have, uh, would have been a party as well. And I mean like Crosby and Malkin all party and stuff when they were younger too. But yeah, right now I'm definitely more in the, Let's sit down and have a nice conversation with Sidney Crosby. Kind of kind of vibe. All right, question number 26. Um, yes. Do you like having NHL players compete in the Olympics? Um, this is from Woody. Uh, he says he does not. Uh, when the United States beat Russia, I'm assuming he means in 1980, uh, with non-NHL players, it was the best feeling in the world. I don't like any pro athletes competing in the Olympics. Oof, that's I, a take. I thought that was such an interesting take, and I, I, I don't agree. I initially don't agree, but I kind of like that. I've heard people say that like the Olympics shouldn't be pro athletes at all. It should just be like almost like the like a military draft, like just random representatives from your countries go and compete, and kind of like in that similar vein. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe getting more of like these not pro average Joe type athletes to compete. That might be like that entertainment value. It'll either be like hilarious and awesome or it would suck. But I mean, ultimately I don't agree. I want, I want to see best on best, especially with just like the crop of players we have right now where you have, um, you're going to have Bedard stepping into the league with McDavid, who's established himself with Sidney Crosby on the back nine of his career. I mean, that's not that's Team Canada. That's not even, you know, you that's not even the U.S., but that would be amazing to watch just historically. So uh, I get why uh, it hasn't happened. You know, it sucks. These owners, they don't want to risk losing a star player. Only the best go overseas or wherever the Olympics are, and you don't want to risk them getting hurt or the last Olympics with COVID uh, kind of the unknown of if you got contracted COVID or whatever, I get it, but I am on the side of, I want to see that best on best uh, specifically given just the, the, uh, the talent in the league right now. Uh, Do either of you have a take on that? Do you guys want to see best on best? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you can't have non pro athletes in today's world. Like they say that they want amateurs, but all these athletes are getting paid now. Like it's not, I mean, it's just, no, I want the best. That's what the Olympics is. Like I want the best athletes there. I don't want to watch amateur athletes. I want to watch the best athletes go head to toe. That's how you determine champions. But no, I want best on best. I concur with both Robbie and Snail. Okay, we'll move on to, I believe this is our last question uh, for the day. Uh, It's coming from Kim. And Kim would like to know if you could choose one car for free, which would you choose? Um, I'm not really a car person. As long as it gets me from point A to point B, then, and, and you know, it runs, it functions well, then, uh, so be it. Uh, I mean, I guess everyone would want, a Lamborghini or, uh, uh, what are the other fancy car? BMW, Tesla, uh, Screw Elon Musk. No, I'm not really an EV. Yeah, I don't really. Again, it's the area I live in more than anything. I don't have nearly enough. Same. EV yeah. Stations I, around here. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think Robbie and I live near super densely populated areas. Like, um, so that would be an issue even if I had an EV. Um, I, you know, like I said, I really don't care about cars. I don't know if either of you have, uh, a, a better answer or a more thoughtful answer to Kim's question, but uh, I'll, I'll leave my piece at that. I'd want like a classic Corvette kind of like American muscle car kind of thing. Again, not a huge car guy, but that's kind of where I fall on that. Uh, Being out here in Seattle, there's a lot of charging stations for whatever oh, yeah. electric cars. So I'd maybe go with like a, what's the, is it like a Chevy or isn't there like a a, a truck EV? Yeah, I don't know what now? it's called. I've, There's a Ford, and I don't know what Chevy's is called, but yeah, they are out there now. I would I would take an electric truck, uh, just <laughs> which just probably seems like sacrilegious to so many people, but uh, I would definitely go something electric, and uh, just for like my job, I, I paint houses for a living, so like I have gear to haul and like ladders and equipment so it, i, I heard like you the paint houses <laughs> that's what i would choose uh electric truck sounds like an oxymoron doesn't it it does yeah um okay well fellas uh as we approach the one hour one hour and 15 minute mark we have gotten through uh a, a massive mailbag uh, thank you to the both of you for sticking with it and answering all of these questions from all of these Lovely, lovely listeners who take the time to ask us questions. Uh, I mentioned at the start of the show that starting next week, we will be uh, shifting, not shifting, but expanding our podcast platforms uh, by including a video feed on YouTube with our very own YouTube channel. Um, When this episode of the podcast goes live on September 20th, the morning of Wednesday, September 20th, uh, there will be an official Skating Penguin Network YouTube channel that you will be able to subscribe to. Again, starting next week, we will be putting 
We will be putting all of our content on audio platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. So you get your your choice of how you want to consume this content with these three jabronis with microphones talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. But again, uh, I will have the brand new Skating Penguin Network YouTube channel linked to all of our social posts and uh, and anywhere you find this podcast and podcasts moving forward. Uh, again, starting next week, we will have an official YouTube channel, and we will like we will have some fun branching out, maybe uh, even streaming on YouTube. I know Snail mentioned in the past that he has streamed uh, games of EA Sports NHL. So this is the start of a brand new hockey season, and we're finally getting those changes that we mentioned uh, early on in the off season up and running as we approach the 2023-24 season. Uh, so with that said, for Robbie Noggle, for Snail, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Penn's Cast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network. And we will talk to all of you again next week.